so good. Oh, the restaurant is called Fred's. I know. Don't yeah. you love the restaurant? I, I love Fred's. I think I've only had, been there once. They have a good burger, maybe? Mm-hmm. And they have a famous salad. Mm-hmm. The chicken, chopped chicken salad. And, um, yeah, it's a chopped cheese. <laughs> chopped cheese salad. Uh who who is oh my god michael uh why can't i remember his last name the trump lawyer loved to go michael there. cohen michael yeah. yeah he would go there constantly like yeah. especially right before he got um yeah it was jail. like his final meal over and over again. he loved he also like was a regular at la avenue yes he just loved yeah. the department store he did it he did this he did it the smart way which is what eat at way. all the fancy restaurants <laughs> shop before you, you oh yeah of course before you go to jail yeah episode 67 is that right? Yeah. Here we go. Rachel has big news for us today. Yeah, it's four days old at this point. Welcome to Corporate Lunch. This is your weekly dose of cus- fashion customer service, um, news, advice, um, love advice, sex tips, skincare routines, haircuts. Um, Everyone on this podcast has a real haircut. I know. We are our haircuts, yeah. I would say. What an embarrassment. Sam has sort of a shaggy mullet. Do you have a mullet? Yeah. It's like a mullet-ish. That's how I usually I have a describe bowl. it. I have a bowl cut. Noah has like a- Rachel Noah's, has dreadlocks. <laughs> Noah's haircut is like, it's like a 16-year-old kid's haircut. It's amazing. It's tight. Time for my senior portrait. <laughs> All right, moving right along. Uh, Barney's New York went bankrupt. It filed for bankruptcy today. I what does that mean? They're not they'll... bankrupt yet. No, they're they're bankrupt. No one really <laughs> understands what bankruptcy means. No, they filed for bankruptcy protection. I'm going to file for email bankruptcy, but we'll talk about that later. You file for bankruptcy. You go to court, and mm-hmm. you basically enter into this agreement where you say, like, I cannot afford to pay my creditors. Yeah. And so they give you protection from being liquidated. However, they have until like October to find someone to buy Barney's or it will be liquidated. So the countdown begins. In, in like one October of the greatest like sample sales of all time. Next month. Yeah, that's yeah, like literally they have anything tomorrow. left. They do have a nice Goyard. So section. they're closing. I think they had like tw- they have 22 stores and they're, they're just going to keep open five of them. Including the Madison Avenue one. Which and there the was Chelsea a lot one. of, this was a conversation that had sort of, news of this was like, getting around in july although i think a few people had been reporting it before then because the madison avenue stores rent like doubled to like 30 million dollars in january yeah i think one point that is important to make is that people seem to assume that like oh barney's has filed for bankruptcy it's going out of business it's closing tomorrow like i saw a lot of amazing tweets that were just like people like me on my way to this Barney's fire warehouse sale. And it was like a really cool, like, you know, gif of someone freaking out. But like, that's not going to happen quite yet, if at all. You think there was like a huge crowd at Barney's this morning thinking that there was going to be some going out of business blowout sale? Right. There's just going to be all kinds of Goyard bags out on the sidewalk, right? Like on blankets, on sidewalk. the way they do it on like Canal Street, the bootleggers. Right. That would actually be a really cool idea. Um, I think Barney's 20 years ago would have done that, which is what we're here to talk about. Mm-hmm. How Barney's yeah. used to be cool. Yeah. So the reason that this matters, I mean, the reason why this is interesting is because Barney's did used to be really cool. And part of what is so fascinating about it to me is that it's this really weird story about how this store, which... The 
so I spoke to Gene Pressman, who is the grandson of the original of Barney himself, Barney Pressman. Um, and he was like adamant that it was not a department store. Yeah. Um, and that it was more of like a specialty shop or like a concept store. And what was interesting to me about like, you know, in early July when we first started hearing reports about this is that there are all these stores now like 4510 and Totokayo that are, are essentially what this this thing that Barney's created. Yeah, Dover right. Street Market. So it's not even, you can't even really make the argument of like, well, people just want to shop online yeah. or like they don't go into stores anymore. Like they actually do yeah. go into stores and they love stores like people, Barney's was 20 years ago. People yeah. be shopping. People really like Megan be shopping. Megan Rapinoe at Totokayo. Wow. Yeah. I, I thought that what Gene, what Gene said in uh, your piece, one thing that he said that was really interesting was, blaming the decline of Barney's on the internet is like if when I was running Barney's I had blamed a decline in sales on the weather he's like maybe it's a contributing factor but there are a lot of stores that are just absolutely popping right now yeah and he said people still go to the movies and they still go to shows mm-hmm. and like it you know that which are like maybe not perfect analogies but it does make sense you know the point being that like this is something that's offered uh cheap and easy online but people still do do sort of seek these real life experiences but i don't know how that relates to shopping weather still is a big deal um if it rains people people ain't gonna be out there shopping unless you're shopping for raincoats and rain boots anyway um so you how'd you find gene pressman i found him on instagram and i dm'd him and is is he retired Essentially, yes. Yeah, he hasn't worked. He and his family sold their stake in the business in 2004. And when was Barney's started? Um, so it was started a long time ago, I think in the 30s. And it was, mo- it was for most of its history, a discount men's right. clothing store. But Barney's, like, in ch- the, first, the first one was in Chelsea, right? Mm-hmm. On 23rd? Mm-hmm. And oh. it was Barney's son, um, Fred for whom the restaurant is named, who was like, let's turn this into like a really cool destination for European fashion. What, do you know what year that was? That was in the early 70s, I think in 1972. Yeah. And the first brand that he actually brought over from Europe, or perhaps like the most kind of like large scale way in which he went about this was with Armani. Right. So he like read yeah. about Armani in like Lomo Vogue yeah, and was like, I think uh, we should check this guy out. So they like flew to, he and his son Gene flew to Italy and they like started this relationship with Armani. And in fact, it wasn't just that they would carry Armani's clothing. They would say like, oh, we don't want the pants cut like this. We want them cut more like this. Like we want this in this fabric. We want the lapels to look more like this. Like they would kind of collaborate with The brands, kind of in the way that like stylists now collaborate with designers and they're like, you got to mm-hmm. add sleeves to this or you need to like make this in a lighter fabric or whatever. Right. And in, in more recent history, Barney's was the first uh, store to bring Dries stateside. Yeah. Cards. So that was like under that was actually under Gene. So in the 80s, like they he decided to like amp up this like European focus even more. Yeah. He told me he was like I was friends with Calvin and like Donna Karen and all of those people, but he really felt like Barney's could set itself apart by offering European designers. So right. he like would he and he also said like he would go on trips with his buyers or send his buyers on trips and tell them they couldn't come back until they discovered something really cool. Um, so like he 
Actually, the, there was a famous staircase in Barney's that was built by an interior designer named Andre Putman. And she was this incredibly chic woman who would tip him off a lot of times about people. So she tipped him off to Alaya mm-hmm. um, and introduced him to Alaya. And Alaya was only making couture at that time, but they sort of like worked out this deal to make ready to wear. So they were like the first people to sell that. But then also he, you know... Um, was the first that was the first like American store to sell Dries Van Noten as well, which is pretty wild. It's hard to imagine a uh, a world in which you could discover. I know and introduce things like that. I know. Generally. I know. I was thinking about that too because, you know, like because that's part of what is uh, would be challenging about running a store like Barney's now yeah. is that in Barney's in the old school way of Barney's is yeah. that like you hear about a new cool brand because every brand has a publicist like every designer has a publicist yeah and like a real like sophisticated social media strategy right um also i don't think brands have the same pressure to like launch exclusively in places you know hot brands you know like a brand like bodhi like as soon as she had like a collection that was ready to like sell widely it was sort of everywhere like what you know I don't think those like exclusive deals are as essential and it's more like, well, how about like a capsule collection or some, you know, a collaboration, small range that's exclusive. Yeah. I mean, I think like it, it really depends on the brand. Like I think probably their most recent big discovery was Proenza Schooler. They bought their thesis collection from Mm -hmm. Parsons. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, that's really impressive on the face of it. You're like, wow, like, their thesis collection must have been amazing. But I think that's also a testament to, like, the fact that by 2001, like, they had to get in there on the ground floor if they wanted to own a brand in that way. That was a long time ago. Yeah. And I like the only other recent example I can think of where like a store really helped a brand is that uh, the broken arm. Is that what it's called? Yeah. In Paris? Yeah, Paris. yeah. So they bought like Maureen Sayre's first collection that she made like while she like as a capsule while she was still at Balenciaga. Uh, and that was like financially really essential for her because her clothing is like really expensive for her to make. Yeah. The broken arm always buys the best of every, like, I don't know how they do it or what relationships they have, but like they never have to buy the pieces that like other sport, other stores clearly like have to buy if they want like the good Prada pieces. The broken arm like only gets the good Prada pieces. Yeah. I don't know how they do it, but it's amazing. Reputation. Yeah. They, they, uh, really like hyper specialize in like the absolute coolest shit. The broken arm is the shop to go and do and browse like at the beginning of a season just to see like what, What's the hottest shit out? That's what I think. I think happens so too. there. They have a nice pea soup as well in the uh, cafe. That's disgusting. You don't like pea soup? <laughs> uh, I'm f- I'm not sure about pea soup. Like you with ham. Do you like right, su- oh, not with ham. No, no I don't really like soup. I think soup is kind of bullshit. Uh, but I do on. think um, it's just a hot smoothie. I do think fashion. <laughs> any respectable fashion store has to have a, a place to eat. You know, you like gotta Dover eat. Street Market and Rose's Bakery. Yeah. Fred's. And Barney's I mean, and Fred's. Fred's is one of like the great store restaurants. I, I didn't Fred's. really eat there. I think I've only ever eaten there once. I think we got to go. 
the guy who ran Fred's. We should have a corporate lunch party there. Yeah. Everyone can go. The guy who ran Fred's for a long time once told the New York Times that like he he was not into like the ladies who lunch scene, but it was totally that. And it was incredible. Who created Fred's? Fred? Yeah. Was there a chef? There was like an executive chef. So at that point, yeah, Gene is the one who decided they should open the store on the Upper East Side on Madison Avenue, which opened in 19. I think 1993. And that's when f- there was no Fred's before the Madison Avenue. There was store, a right? there was, was like there? a there was a cafe in the Chelsea store, and I don't think that it was Fred's. I think it was called Jean's Cafe. Or I think something. Fred's opened in like 96 or 97. Yeah. Which is better, Fred's or the Polo Bar? They're just very different. Yeah, they're really different. <sighs> I mean, well, that's not fun. Which cafeteria table are you? <laughs> 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 what is choose a table? Which table yeah. are you at? Yeah, I don't know. I would want to sit on the floor. Yeah. Um, this cafeteria is gross. We don't need the cafeteria. Also, why so none of those people would ever be at a cafeteria? I remember, I mean, by the time I moved to New York and, like, had money to shop at Barney's. Six months ago. Barney's was, like, not, you know, there was, like, no real reason for me to shop there. But yeah. I remember in high school thinking that Barney's was like kind of some epicenter or something because <laughs> I remember reading about this kid who went to Yale named Cassius Marcellius Clay. T-B-T. Who was shopping in like the shoe section and Kanye tapped him on the shoulder and he was like, hey man, I like your shoes. And then they like became homies and this dude like almost dropped out of Yale to be... Kanye's stylist and then I think like ended up they ended up parting ways for some reason but they met at Barney's what kind of shoes was he wearing at the time I think probably like Louboutins or something hmm who knows? Mm-hmm. But it was like it was so a things, story big that big things used to happen at Barney's. It's, it was yeah, like a place where would, someone like Kanye, even I think yeah. it was in like 2010, would just be like hanging out, like shopping for shoes. Well, it had this. It had this. Even when it wasn't, you know selling these like cool exclusive things and like it was kind of just like another department store like it still had that reputation of being like yeah. very new yorky yeah. and like you know they had these crazy windows and so even though they weren't necessarily like the glenn o'brien used to be their advertising yeah. director yeah. and that sort of thing like so that sort of vibe like continued that like was still a part of their reputation for a long time. For sure, I think it maintained. I mean, because the the real like heyday or or it's like most cutting edge cutting edge iteration was before any of our time, right? Really, at, at least obviously the pressmans would think so, but for sure, like it maintained that status as being just cooler than your average department store, like for many years. Yeah. Um, and then basically Barney's just got into weird situations with, with just finances, right? Like it's had four, four different owners in the last six years or something. Yeah. It expanded too quickly. Stores all over the country. Yeah. And also probably didn't need stores all over the country. I mean, that's a kind it's a funny sort of like New York, like Bloomberg era arrogance that it's like, everyone should have one of these. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so yeah, I mean, it, I think it had too many stores opening too quickly, um, and it's hard to like replicate that level of like exclusivity and specialization and like just that that very specific attitude yeah. in a chain essentially. Yeah. And um, did, did Barney's was slow to develop ecom right, and then yeah, and then has never really like nailed it. 
Yeah. I think that's true of I most found them large have department have stores, a, though. Yeah, really awkward e-com. Why is that? Is that just, I guess it's just because if you're not sort of like digital, digitally native, you're always going to digital be. Digital first. Yeah. I think if you're just dealing with that volume of product, too, it's hard to yeah. make like the e-com experience feel really special because yeah. of the way that you have to shoot everything. and. Whereas, like, you mentioned Total Kayo, like, when they came out, the first thing was just, like, really good styling, really good photography. Like, Essence is like that. Yeah. Well, even Net-A-Porte. I mean, mm. Net-A-Porte, you have to think about, like, when they launched, which I think was in 2002 or 2003, they were the first e-com site to put clothing on people and, like, show it styled with other Instead things. Instead of just flat laydowns yeah. of the products. Yeah. Laydowns, what we call it. Um, and it really, like, no one really innovated after that, I would say, until, like, five or six years ago. I yeah. don't know. The, the next website after that I remember being impressed by, I guess, was Essence because that was also that also had an editorial viewpoint to the way yeah. that the yeah. clothing was presented. And es both of them have a huge selection. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Bless you. Um yeah, I mean, I remember like when I was in college in like 2009 shopping on Essence.com and my f my friend and I would sit there together and like pick out stuff and be like, oh, what do you think of this? Like, what do you think of that? And we would put our hands, we would do the cup thing. Like when the way we the would get our stand? Yeah, when we would get our <laughs> stuff like in in the mail. That's psycho. walk around and try the clothes on and do the cup hands. <laughs> Mannequin hands? Yep. Um, Ultimately, I think the thing that makes the the Barney situation so strange to me is that is again this like cyclical nature that Barney's was doing like the store as an experience yeah. in the 80s and 90s yeah. and like they could have instead of like having e-com they could have just totally biffed on that and been like let's return to like this yeah very editorial kind of uh shopping experience and maybe would have done better i don't really know it's hard to say because well, they in addition to the in addition to you know this reputation they had that was good of being like hip and new yorky they yeah. also had a reputation for being like snobby and like elitist and in a good way or in a bad way in a bad way like they filed for bankruptcy in 1996 for the first time mm -hmm. and at that point they were not paying a lot of their smaller suppliers like and that oh. would be the people who were making barney's cool yeah. you know yeah i mean a lot of what barney's did historically is what like you expect dover street market for instance which is my favorite place to go what you expect them to, the, to do now which is discover new and uh uh exciting brands from around the world that aren't already here and to have like a big complete sort of conceptual experience that isn't just like departmentalized to have a good restaurant where you can um uh eat your shame after you've spent too much money on john's well and also having people there who like aren't just like oh do you need this in another size like da da da, da whatever but can be like oh this brand is like Da, 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 da. like this is who this person oh, yeah, is people who like, like really understand yeah the and like this is where they Super came important. from and they used to work with so and so yeah. and blah 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 like i mean i think like a lot of people who go into dover street market for example like don't like may not have known that like raf simmons was at calvin klein and like yeah that could be like fun for them to learn and like the people who work there knew that you know yeah. know those things um all right so we're going to fred's for lunch and uh should we start a Kickstarter to try to buy Barney's? <laughs> yeah. Now, now under corporate lunch ownership? Yeah, I think so. So they're going to 
as of when will they have just five stores open? I think as now. Of now. Yeah, I think as of now. And with w- the two New York stores, and what are the other three? Do we know? One in Beverly the Hills. one in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle is staying I open. Think Seattle. One in Texas, maybe. I always imagine everyone in Texas is just always spending lots of money on fashion. That's a the g- Chicago that's like one is closing, which I'm bummed about. Sorry, sorry, it's really close to my parents' apartment. Texas is the best shopping state really? in the United States. Oh yeah, I've never been shopping in Texas. What do you? Where do you shop? Forty-five ten. Forty-five ten is really cool. They're from Houston or Dallas? Yeah, and Dallas just has amazing malls. I mean, they have really like they had one of the country's first outdoor malls. This place called Highland Park, mm-hmm. which is really beautiful. What's in there? Do they have um, a row store? I don't think they have a row store, but they have a Chanel store. They have this really cool cowboy boot store called Mir and Crosby. Mm-hmm. They have a Tory Burch, of course. Awesome. Love yeah. that. I'm wearing my Tory Burch flats today. They look beautiful. Um, so they have, Bar- Barney's has until October to find a investor. Yeah. A buyer. A new owner, yeah. A new owner. Someone will come along, don't you think? Yeah. Maybe not. I think so. Maybe Toto Kyle will buy them. Yeah, maybe. Need, need supply. That backpack money. Someone's got to buy Dean and DeLuca first, though. A lot of, We're losing a lot of big institutions here in New York. 20 years ago, we had Bob Hope, Johnny Cash, Dean and DeLuca, and Barney's. Now yep. we have No Hope, No Cash, No Dean and DeLuca. You know those like weird <laughs> old bar paintings people do where it's like Marilyn Monroe and like Humphrey Bogart <laughs> and Elvis and uh-huh. they're like all playing like pool Reagan, or like yeah. yeah and they're or they're like sitting in the diner yeah that's yeah. Barney's and Dean DeLuca right yeah. now yeah <laughs> yeah in tote bag heaven I don't think we should revive stuff though I always think it's bad like I've heard the new pasties is terrible yeah just let things die yeah the otherwise you're creating like a Disney four version seasons of just New closed. York Four Seasons just closed? Well, the new one. The oh, the restaurant. One. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I I think it's important to have, uh, you know, I love the, like, uptown shopping experience. I love the uptown shopping Especially experience, too. Especially the holiday season, hunting around for an orange sweater like a maniac all over town, strolling with, uh, with a friend, a fellow John's enthusiast. Oh, this is a good quote, I think, from um, Rachel's piece that we could end this discussion on. So referencing Kathy Horan's 2000, wait, what year did she write the- um, 2012. 2012 piece on Barney's uh, owner, whose name is Mark, Mark Perry. Perry. Horan wrote that, quote, great stores reflect the cultural life and aesthetic priorities of a city, end quote. It's hard not to see Barney's slide from coolness and the astronomical rent in that light. De Blasio's Barney's New York. Good point. The rapid gentrification of New York and the cultural sameness that has come with it even extends to the way we shop. De Blasio. Really makes you think. This is all De Blasio's fault? Yeah. I fully agree. You got to read the New York Times Magazine profile about oh, Bill I De Blasio. He seems like he doesn't even like New York. Yeah, he doesn't. That's essentially the thesis. This guy doesn't like yeah, New everyone York. Everyone in New York hates like him, so why would he like this place? He's doing a but bad I think job. he never liked it. Yeah, it's funny because they interview all the all, all of these like previous mayors who are like, ah, yeah. But the thing is, like, I loved like the job. I loved the labor of running New York. And he's like, oh, I don't know. It seems fine. Um. All right. Well, we wish Barney's the best of luck. We all love and appreciate them. We'll be um, the three of us will be dining at 
Fred's every day for lunch and dinner from now until the very end of time. Of time. Um, let's do some vibes, shall we? Who wants to start? Rachel. Rachel's ready. Noah. Rachel, go. 13 vibes. This is a not so fast lightning round where we tell you what's dope. Wearing a sweater, not like a sweater. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, so there was this picture of Mary Kate Olsen from earlier this week where she's taken a cardigan and buttoned it up and mm. pulled it down around her waist mm-hmm. and it's just dangling around her hips like a skirt. Have you tried it? I haven't tried you it yet because I don't have a I don't have a crew neck cardigan. You need a so cardigan go that one. goes up all the way. Yeah. I want a crew. Evan Canori makes a really good crew yeah? neck cardigan. Maybe he'll send me one. Evan, send me a cardigan. So that we can make the Mary Kate Olsen. You could, it's the, the perfect cardigan for that. Yes. Man- I think maneuver. she may have just bought it to wear it in that way. Well, I thought maybe, so I couldn't really tell what was going on, but I was wondering if it is um, some avant-garde garment that is actually not a cardigan at all. I thought maybe it was attached to the pant or attached to the hoodie and yeah. was somehow some like bizarre Frankenstein skirt. Right. But no. Yeah. Like I could see Sakai making something. I want to know that photo of uh, Mary Kate is incredible. It's such a huge fit. And she's wearing a really good hoodie also that I want. And she's wearing wearing, uh, a bit more color than usual as well. She's wearing Tevas. That is a hoodie that she was also wearing like 10 years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I found a picture of her wearing it a long time ago. (laughs) Of course. All right. The next vibe then is wearing the same at least some of the same clothes for 10 years plus do you have clothes that you wear for 10 (laughs) yeah i don't really i tend to cycle through things and get rid of things give things away sell them i don't it's because you don't know who you are i know no i'm constantly reinventing myself but my my goal starting now what year is it 2019 it's almost 2020 my goal is that um 25 percent of what i wear in 2020 i will still wear in 2030 what episode of corporate lunch will we be on that's a good. That's a we'll good be plan. On like seventy three. Ten years. Wear everything at least ten years. Not everything, but things you like. My vibe is uh, speaking of ecom. If you're ever in like a a little clothing rut or styling rut, mm-hmm. our legacy's ecom site has the coolest styling yeah. of all time. Yeah, I was very uh, wild cast taken by this fit that I found yesterday, where the model's wearing like a doily choker. Did I'm still over here the- wearing I'm still over here wearing a doily shirt. Yeah. And this guy has a doily choker. I mean, it's not even I don't think it's an our legacy like accessory. It's just they just threw it in to jazz things up. You did you do have that. some doily ass shirt that you like wearing. Not today. Today you have a work shirt on. Who makes that shirt? Our legacy? No, this is um fuck. Peels? It's, it's Peels, yeah. Is it? Mm-hmm. I took my name off it though. Um Rachel. The next vibe is it my turn? No, it's my turn. All right. Peggy Guggenheim. Not Peggy Goo, the DJ? No. She's great too, though. (laughs) Peggy Guggenheim. I'm reading her memoir, and it's really terrific. Um, What happens in her life? Well, she buys a lot of art and tries to start a museum, and then they won't let her bring it into England because they're like, this isn't art. So she can't start the museum. So then she ends up starting the museum uh, as a gallery instead in New York. And she had a really cool gallery. She was friends with Alexander Calder and Max Ernst and Cocteau. 
Did she have an exciting life? She had a really exciting life. I never read biographies. Wait, did you say it's a memoir or biography? It's a memoir. I like memoirs. Yeah. I'm reading a book. That's my next vibe. It's Ben Lerner's new book. It's called The Topeka School, as in Topeka, Kansas. Is that how you say it? Topeka? Mm -hmm. Topeka. Topeka. Yeah, you got it. You got it the first time. Um, It's a pretty, um, it's a novel, a new novel. I don't know if it's out yet, but- um, Brooklyn's own Ben Lerner. People love Ben Lerner. He's a pretty exciting writer, I guess. Um, and this book is, is uh, I haven't finished it. I'm a good way through, though. It's about, the meat of it is about a kid who's a uh, an all-star debater. I never did debate clubs, so I, I'm learning a lot about the way it works. It's pretty complicated. I think I would have crushed in debate. Yeah. I'm as dumb as rocks, but I, I'm uh, persistent and mean and... I can talk really fast if I need to, which is a big part of it. You just talk really fast. Right. Noah, you got Would have helped minutes. with this podcast, maybe. What? Did you guys debate? No. No. All right. Hell no. No losers here. More of like a model UN guy. You were? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, okay. My vibe is uh, a friend showed me this Instagram the other day. Uh, it's this guy named Tony Tafuro. Uh-huh. And if you're sort of quiet on tie-dye right now you should check this guy's instagram out he makes these insane tie-dyes that look like you know like in like old music videos or whatever when like people would do that like splotoscope thing oh yeah where they, i like, follow do this the, guy. The, yeah. the, the sort of lsd trippy like light show thing the tie-dyes look I, I have no idea how he makes them but they're hyper advanced and very cool yeah i follow that dude and is his brand called emerson E-M-E-R-S-I-N, because that's... I don't know. I have no idea. I just found it. I was, like, just looking at it this morning. I think you can buy it at... Um, he has a website. At Sonia's store in L.A. as well. Yeah. At Classic Hits. This is, this is a dope uh, evolution of the tie-dye universe. It's pretty bizarre stuff. Some skateboarding on this one. Nice nolly flip. Somebody wearing some Emerson tees. All right, what do we got? More vibes? Rachel, is it your vibe? Is it my vibe? No, it's Rachel's vibe. Well, oh, I just Blue Park. yesterday went through like a big David Marchese thing. Yeah. I just love his interviews. He's such a good interviewer. I think he's incredible. And he's given some really interesting interviews about interviewing people. He did this great interview with Vice like maybe a year and a half ago where he explained like how he asks questions and how he gets people to like answer difficult questions and that sort of thing. And it's just like it's things that seem so simple but you would never really think of as a journalist where yeah. he'll say like like in his he said that he um whenever he's organizing an interview, sometimes a publicist will be like, oh, by the way, like they don't want to talk about this. Yeah. And he always says like, then I won't agree to the interview, but they can always say they don't want to talk about that in the interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is so interesting. Yeah. And he references then this interview that he did with Maggie Gyllenhaal, where he asked her about James Franco. And she like, I just thought that was so great because it seems like the kind of thing, I mean, I have no idea what the conversation was before, of course, but it seems like the kind of thing that like would kind of not be something that someone would want to talk about. But she was like, by that point in the interview, they had had established like such a good rapport that she was like, okay, yeah, like we can talk about that. And like how we can move forward with someone who like, isn't full, like we aren't going to fully cancel this person, but like, yeah. Um, what do you have a favorite David Marchese interview? The Mine Angelica is, Houston one. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. What's yours? 
Trent Reznor, I think. Oh, I haven't read that one. That's really good. New York Mag, not. Now he's at the Times Mag, but he was yeah. at New York Mag for a long time. I like his Julian Casablanca's interview. Yeah, that one's really good. And the next vibe up is, oh, uh, my favorite shoes lately right now to wear are the Asics by Afix running shoes. They're like mall walkers. They're like a tech gel. Maybe it's a gel Kayano. I don't know what shoe it is, but it's a um, the blue and white colorway, not the yellow and black colorway. That that colorway is whack. Asics are, um, all the cool collabs are with Asics right now. Sam, do you agree? Yeah. I think so. Sam is the, I like the, um, the biggest sneakerhead on corporate lunch. Yeah. <laughs> My secret's out. It's no secret, Sam. I like to wear, we did a little photo shoot the other day because we're going to have our picture in a magazine soon. And I wore my Afix running shoes with like pinstripe pants and a blue shirt. It was a very corporate lunch, corporate, a good fit. corporate lunch walk um, fit. Like, like I t- took my derbies off and put on my walkers. It was like a get, commuter fit. To go get my salad sure. bowl. You're sloppy. Speaking of yeah. speaking of blue and orange mm-hmm. colorways, yeah. my vibe is the New York Mets, oh, who've won great. 13 of 14 games. Dang. But don't and they play the like vibe. 14 games a day? I know. <laughs> nice. Baseball is so boring. Actually, it's really fun. If you guys like baseball, then good for you. I'd like to go to a game. Let's go to a game. Will you invite yeah, me to a let's game? Let's go to a Mets game. All right, when? You know what's a really fun baseball situation, actually, is going to see the Staten Island Yankees. Yeah. The tickets are really cheap, and it's fun. It's an get enjoy- a hot dog. You get a hot dog, and you get to go on the Staten Island ferry. I was going to say, but you have to be on Staten Island. Yeah, but you just take the ferry over, which is free, in yeah. a great ferry ride. Yeah. And then it's like a three-minute walk from Drink the Drink a beer on the ferry. Yeah. Have a bev. The next vibe up is... Oh, wait. It's not my turn. It's my it's turn. It's Rachel's turn. God, why do I keep doing that? Guys, it's because we we're going, hear we're my going in the my wrong last direction. Vibe. We have two minutes before Ben Stiller busts the store oh, down. Oh, guys. Ben Stiller's coming in here. We got to go. All right. Lightning round. Good taste. Got to have great it. Great vibe. Flavor or uh, view of the world? View of the world. Noah, um, sweaters. You I'm going, already did that. No, I didn't. When last last episode? What did I say? Someone was like, "What's going to be the?" Oh, I said sweaters as, as outerwear. Um, yes. No, that wasn't briefly. a vibe. But it was. I, I'm turning okay. a talking point into a vibe. Okay. Uh, now you just took the juice out of my vibe. We're gonna do it. Wait, we're gonna do a sweaters episode later, aren't we? Yeah, we are. All right. That's what I'm hearing. All right. Last vibe. Expensive umbrellas. <laughs> yeah. We went out last night and you had like a thousand dollar umbrella. Did it's you amazing. lose it's that? Like, no, it's like, uh, you know, we when you buy it. a pair of really expensive sunglasses, you know, you don't leave them in a cab. It's like I was worried someone was going to steal it at the door. Thing, thing is, it's so heavy. Your arm gets have tired. You, how much was that umbrella? I have no idea. I just borrowed it from Who a wall it's probably it was probably like a seven hundred dollar umbrella. Yeah, there's a place in Paris where you can get really beautiful yeah. umbrellas for like a thousand dollars. I respect that. Alexandra Sophia, I think it's called. I think if you have that much much money for an umbrella, you, uh, someone else holds the umbrella for you. Yeah, my actually my. It's f- like if you can afford a Rolls Royce, you don't drive a Rolls Royce. Right. Someone drives your Rolls Royce. Maybe. On that note, maybe. <laughs> See you in your Rolls Royce. See you at Fred's. Thanks for listening to Corporate Lunch. We'll see you at Fred's.